Traveling the Vortex. Big smile, like you mean it. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 327. And if this podcast tries to kill you, just turn it off and back on again. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Smiley face emoji. Tired face emoji. Tired face emoji. You can't have the same emoji. Um, yes, you can. No, you yeah. can't. No. Really tired You're face emoji. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anger face emoji. Anger face emoji. There you go. No. Smiley face. I'm, I'm tired face emoji. emoji too, but I'm happy. So. You don't get to tell me what emoji face I get to have. Now I'm yes, an angry yes, face emoji. Inquisitive face emoji? Komoji? Komoji? That's a komoji. Komoji. That's an emoji wearing a kimono. <laughs> komoji. I'm sure there's one of those. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is. I'm, I'm, there's an app for that. Yes. I can almost guarantee it. Did you guys have a good week? Yeah, not bad. Do anything fun? Work's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Home nice life getting, is exhausting. <laughs> it's nice getting off early, but that is a mammoth thing to do every week of that, or every day in, day out at five five thirty. Yep. Other than that, no, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I've been watching BritBox. So, how are you liking it? Good. I really the, the only thing I've been watching is Are You Being Served? But still, <laughs> still, still. Uh, Slodging through that, but I, I keep flipping. Slodging through it. Well, I keep flipping. You no, know, just because it's, there's it's so much of it. Yeah, there's so much of it for the most part. I keep flipping through other things and going, oh, I can't wait till I watch that. Oh, I can't wait till I watch that. Oh, I can't wait till I watch that. And then I realized that Cold Feet, which I used to watch, actually I hadn't gotten all the way through it, but Cold Feet, which used to be on Acorn, is now on BritBox. Oh. So that worked out because that was the one thing that I regretted giving up Acorn for. Now it's exclusively on BritBox, and oh. they have new episodes on there. So. Apparently they revised it, rebooted it recently, so those episodes oh. are on there. So I'm excited to get back into that. Is that an ITV show? <clears throat> um, you know, it might have been since it was on uh, Acorn for a while. So it was really funny, though. Really funny. Maybe that's not what I'm thinking. Of. I don't know emoji. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mason and I finally broke up in the Ghostbusters level pack today and started playing it so that we could get the stuff built and it froze on us. No. So halfway through the halfway through the episode. So I think I'm gonna wipe the game, reinstall keep our save, but yeah. wipe the game and do a reinstall and see if that helps. But I've read online there are a few people that have had that problem, but a lot of people haven't had that problem for about a year now. Mm. So it's something that's crept up on us. So hmm. We'll see what happens. I, hope it I may try to play it. off the disc, although everybody says the opposite. Try to install it instead of playing off the disc to avoid the freeze. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to try it the other way. Yeah, if you're doing it the one way and it's freezing. Yeah. We had a busy weekend. We went and picked up the crib. So got that put together and moved the twin bed upstairs. Cody's a little despondent. <laughs> Very a little upset. But we put it up so we can look out the back. He can stand on the bed. We open up the blinds. And he can look out and oversee the whole backyard and the alley and see all the squirrels out and about when we're not home. I don't know if he's gone up there or not. But he wasn't too uh, too happy with it all. <laughs> we did something similar. We switched bedrooms and moved the two grandkids into the bigger bedroom that's up here and all of Billy's stuff on the small one. And Captain does not know what to do with himself. 
because he hangs out in Billy's room. <laughs> He'll come <laughs> out and be sociable and, oh, look, I can rub on you. It's not going to go away. It's not fine. The grandkids come over and goes, I'm going to hide. And now he's in their room. <laughs> <laughs> and so Cheyenne's like, mine. He's like, no. Oh, yes. He doesn't know what to do. I didn't mention it on the podcast, but I listened to The Invisible Man, Big Finishes, and it was really well done. And then just recently, The First Men in the Moon came out, which that's a story I'm not familiar with. Oh, the H.G. Wells. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is all the yeah, H.G. All like, Wells yeah. stuff. Uh, My brain it, didn't make that connection initially <laughs> when you said that. It was it was really good. It really makes me wish they could get the rights to John Carter of Mars and do that really well done because it has a very John Carter feel to it because uh. it's this guy relaying the story of him and this professor going up to the moon and encountering these creatures. And so it, it kind of has the beats and the way the storytelling works would work really well for a princess of Mars and onward. So I, now I want them to do that. And I feel like there was a missed opportunity not having Sylvester McCoy as the professor because he would have been brilliant. <laughs> if, if you guys listen to it, I think you'll see what I mean. Because yeah. there are moments where it feels like he's trying to invoke Sylvester. Huh. Other times, not so much. But I think he, he would have had a good showcasing to show his range For a sure. little bit. Sure. Why don't you just email him? Well, it's too late now. They've already recorded it. No, but I mean, <laughs> you, about John Carter. Oh, like yeah. You guys yeah, should go get to. the rights to John Carter. I wonder if Disney would give those up. I've heard that they did the comics. I mean, the Edgar Rice Burroughs estate, I understand, is shopping the movie option around again. So there may be that may be the way to go then, because I'm sure Disney paid a hefty fee for that, and it was probably for X number of years, and they want to make that money back. So they they probably are holding those rights for a lot of money if they turn them loose. Yeah, more is the pity. Yep. Do you watch anything, Sean? Was it just all house stuff? Mostly house stuff. I, I finished. Cleopatra, I didn't mention that last week, but I did finish Cleopatra finally, and it was good. Mel and I have only three episodes of Next Gen left. Wow. And then it'll be over. <laughs> and then the geek in me was wondering, well, do we plow right into the movies, or do I make her watch Deep Space Nine first and try and insert the movies where they belong? It's like, I think I'm just going to well, You go. probably should have started DS9 earlier, though. Yeah, I should have, because technically it starts in season six. Yeah. But I think we're just going to go ahead and do the movies, and then we'll flip over to Deep Space Nine at some point. Oh, there you go. I started reading Who on Earth is Tom Baker, which has not been reflected in my Goodreads updates yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Ben. I'll have a report for you when I'm done with that. I'm really hooked on Ticket to Ride right now. That's kind of been my big obsession on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I love that game. We're rapidly approaching the end of The Deathly Hollows. I saw that you were reading that. I'd forgotten. We're our, we're in we're knee deep in the Battle of Hogwarts. Oh, oh you're, yeah, you're, you're close. Yeah, to. yeah. Oh, didn't take you. Did you skip through all of the Lost in no. the Woods? There stuff? wasn't as much Lost in the Woods stuff as you makes it make oh, it yeah. sound. Yeah, thank so you for saying that it. because there's no. not. There's no, we not haven't gone much. back and rewatched the first. <laughs> we were going to try to rewatch the first movie, and just haven't had the time. The first part just didn't have time this weekend because we reached that point and we're like, okay, well, we can watch the first part any time now, and just haven't got around to it. But it felt. Shorter in the book than it did in the movie. So much lost in the woods. Well, they aren't really in the woods that much. Pages no, really pages, pages. Like one chapter, Sean. It's oh, one chapter on in the woods where they fight and, and Ron leaves. On and on and on it went on. <laughs> it was like an ABBA song. It went on and on and on. Well, then Ron comes back. Yeah. And they're still in the woods. So but they're I'm in different ways. That. Well, that's true, but it's still, <laughs> and they've had it's still whole, lost in the woods. they've had a whole adventure in between <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, the, the, the nice thing is... Uh, <laughs> they go to Godric's Hollow. Godric's Hollow and, yeah, uh, all breaks all it up stuff. really nicely. So. It was like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Rabbit. They kept passing by that sand pit over and over <laughs> and over. Lost in the woods. No. I did not like that part. 
It was shorter than I expected it to be. Well, that's that's good. That means I, I significantly poo-pooed it enough. That <laughs> <laughs> At least the fighting lost in the woods. There's a lot. They spend a lot of time in that tent, but the the f- part at least I didn't like from the movie was them like bickering for the apparent. Just put the Horcrux in the bag. Solves the problem completely. Just there. No one has to wear it. It's in the bag. It's safe. They even do that at one point, and then they take it back and put it back on. Ah. <laughs> that was my biggest frustration with it, the book. It felt a little J.K. channeling Lord of the Rings with the one ring. And it's yeah, like, I yeah, see that. Um, you're not really getting away with that one. You could just put it in the bag. <laughs> oh, and adding extra drama. Yeah, it's a convenient excuse for them to squabble. I don't want them to squabble. Well, they need a reason that for the Deluminator, so... Lost in the woods. <laughs> like I said, it was all housework this week. I did yard work, but I, I, do, I fear to bring that up because then I get teased for it. So <laughs> I did yard work too. <laughs> so I I did not do yard work. <laughs> I mowed our yard, and Cody's back there in the backyard with me, you know, being good. And I go to mow the other side of the fence by the alley, and that's when Cody decides to start rolling and stuff, mm. waiting till I'm outside the fence. So he got an impromptu shower Wednesday night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you just hose him down or did you actually no, I, bring him in? I brought him in and put him in the shower. I took him into the shower with me and gave him a shower. He was not happy. <laughs> but he he rolled and I yelled at him and I clapped at him. He was like, what? And then I kind of started up back up and then he immediately went back right back to it. Instantly. I went to a wedding. I guess that's what we did Tuesday. Um, Matt Quick got married to Destiny this week. You know Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you both know Matt at this point. Yeah. Not sure if the listener knows Matt, but we might have mentioned him a couple times. He's this guy, I know. <laughs> Matt has the wonderful story that I can't tell because he keeps egging me on that eventually I will invite him on the podcast to tell this story. It's a Sylvester McCoy-related story at Planet Comic Con from a couple mm-hmm. years back. and It's a great story, but I just haven't had the opportunity to invite Matt on and say this is the week we're going to tell that story so <laughs> now I've teased it properly maybe down the road we can actually do it true. but uh, I was photographer at the wedding so even that was work oh yeah and I'm importing their stuff and uploading it to his Dropbox and I didn't realize that between the rehearsal the night before the wedding party photos the wedding photos the reception photos I took something like 1300 pictures wow <laughs> So they have a lot to choose from. Yeah. Unfortunately, it has taken me all week to upload these to Dropbox. <laughs> it's just on and on and on and on. Wow. I feel like I'm lost in the woods in a Harry Potter book. <laughs> so but. not that bad, huh? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's still going. It's, I started the Sean version of the Harry Potter book. <laughs> I, I, I started it Tuesday night after everything was over with, and it's still uploading. Wow. So, And I've got a whole other card and a half to go yet. <laughs> Because we had two cameras, but wow, so that was fun. They had, a, they had a, it was a very nice event. I'm happy for them. They're currently off in Cosmo, Cancun. Could be either South, Mexico. They're in Mexico somewhere. So hopefully, hopefully they're having a good time. Yeah, more fun than Harry Potter Lost in the Woods, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed reading it, so it was <laughs> somewhat fun. No news this week. No, at least nothing that caught our eyes. This just in. Doctor Who is on. Yeah. So we'll move straight on to feedback. We're not going to talk about those casting rumors that are completely bogus and incorrect and not news at all? No. Okay, no. good. I don't want to talk about those anymore. Or, or the cri- big Christmas rumor that has no substance to it, that no proof of anything. It would be cool. Would no be proof. Cool. Yeah. No proof. Yeah. What's in feedback? Ben writes, 
Doctor Who is a return and all is right in the world. Hi guys, sorry I missed last week sending in feedback. Not a lot going on here really. I did want to mention that I previously heard of BritBox and was curious about it. Thank you for dedicating a portion of the show a couple weeks back to it. I think when I can I will look into adding it. I have all of Tom's run on DVD, but to have the rest readily available would be quite nice. On a side note, I've been recording Tom's run on PBS Saturday nights. It's nice to have the commercial-free, continuous-run episodes. Aren't they commercial-free on DVD there, Ben? Maybe he means omnibus versus Maybe. episodic that could be. versions. Who knows? Moving on, despite <laughs> decent or decent progress has been made with A Dance with Dragons. I lost a few days due to a return of that darn stomach bug that left, thankfully, in time for my birthday yesterday. Earth Day. And happy birthday to you, Ben. Happy I was birthday, late ben. to the party, but... That brings me to yesterday. Is there anything worse than working on your birthday? I only got to celebrate half the day. That part was very nice, though. After work, the family and I piled into the car and motored over to Texas Roadhouse for dinner. There, my wife and kids presented me with many fantastic goodies. Pictures on, are on my social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all via Instagram. I'd like to thank everyone who took a moment to say something to me yesterday. It was all very much appreciated. Moving on, I watched Smile today. Too much going on last night. My initial impression is that I liked it. It wasn't spectacular, but there was nothing glaringly bad either. The stark whiteness of the scenery reminded me of the episode in which Amy waited for the Doctor and Rory. The one with the handbots. <laughs> the episode name escapes me. The girl who waited. Yes. Smile also reminded me of the Vashti Narada and how the emoji bots killed the humans who became sad. All in all, just a so-so episode for me. I look forward to hearing everyone else's thoughts on it. Lastly, I watched Passengers last week. Not before I had to exchange it, though. Turns out the copy my wife got me for Easter had been open and the digital copy taken. Ooh. The thief then put it back into the sleeve and back on the shelf. Grr. Once I had time to watch, wow, was it good. As much as I love Chris Pratt and Guardians, I think this was an even better performance. For Jennifer Lawrence, it was definitely her best that I have seen. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this movie. I also watched Arrival yesterday. It was part of my birthday goodies. Wow, another great movie. You got some good ones, Ben. Yeah. Both Passengers and Arrival were more thinking than action. Both had enough of each element, though, to be very entertaining. That's it for now, I think. Thanks, thanks again for the kind birthday wishes. Take care, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank thanks, you, ben. ben. And again, happy birthday. I enjoyed both of those films immensely. We've also got some feedback on Facebook. Uh, during our What Are Your Thoughts on Episode 2 Smile... We'll read them out on the cast post that we posted on Facebook. We got a couple of responses. Tim said, can you read out emojis? Guess they don't work so well on audio. Smiley face. Laffy face. Was it a laffy face? It's a laffy face. Laffy face emoji. <laughs> and then John posted, it was a good episode, but after last week's episode, I was expecting more. No emoji. <laughs> And, of course, you can reach out to us on any form of social media and or send us feedback by going to our website, TravinTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Should we move on to our review? That's... Pleading emoji. <laughs> You're pleading to move on to our review? Or pleading for feedback. Okay. I like hearing what other people have to say. That's part of the reason we got into this. For me, I don't know about why... Well, I got into it because Glenn asked. But <laughs> once we started doing it, it was like, yeah, what does everybody else think? So... I do like hearing from people. I do. I do, I do, I do. Smile. In the far future, at the edge of the galaxy, there's a gleaming perfect city. 
This brand new human settlement is said to behold the secret of human happiness, but the only smiles the doctor and Bill can find are on a pile of grinning skulls. Something is alive in the walls, and the emoji bots are watching from the shadows as the doctor and Bill are Bill trying to unravel a terrifying mystery. Bum 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 emoji. <laughs> <laughs> is there an emoji for that? I don't know. I'm making stuff up now. I rather I enjoyed it. it. I liked it. Quite enjoyable. It didn't wow me, but it was it was fun. It's a level down from last week's premiere, but it was a lot of fun. I don't there wasn't it wasn't really deep, but it was a lot of fun and there's not a lot of substance there, but there's a lot of humor and it moves quickly and I like the the concepts that are introduced in it. Overall, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have a lot to say, so I'll go. Okay. <laughs> Much like the city. I feel that there are kind of hidden depths to this. On the surface, it's glossy and pretty and, and kind of cool and a lot of fun. And as you said, humor and uh, it, it moves and it, it's got some good stuff. And then there's this subtext to it that I, I don't, it's not an intentional subtext. It's just things that I'm struggling with that I don't know if I want to think about. Because I'm terrified if I overthink the episode, I'm suddenly not going to like it. Mm. And it's just little things, but the little things all start to pile up like this skeleton bone. (laughs) Starting with that scene, the one very early on where the swarm of robots come down and it's just a pile of bones. We need that scene in order to illustrate the danger that this is what these things are capable of. I think it came way too early. The entire time that Bill and the oh, doctor are the, wandering the through the city, of what was going on and they're in the right. dark, but we know. I, I don't like those moments. I like it when the doctor's the smartest guy in the room, and I don't like having figured something out before he did. Now you've given me that information, so I know they're actually in danger, but they're still trying to piece together the mystery of where these people went. And it's like, well, we know where the, the robots got them. And so I don't know how you do that necessarily, but. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been really... I feel like it, it would have been more satisfying if they had had the mystery build and then they encounter the one survivor who's like, smile, everybody's got to smile, and then yeah. they're grilling her for information and she gets zapped in front of them. Then all of a sudden it's like, whoa! Because the, the the setting was so atmospheric and almost eerie with everybody missing that not knowing what was why could have really added to that. Depth. Yeah. yeah. For me, the, I, I would have to disagree because I think I liked the added tension. I liked feeling... That impending danger for the doctor and Bill the whole time. I liked that. I, I please get there and figure out what this is because you guys are really in danger. That I liked that element of it. Hmm. I think um, had we done that, the atmosphere of nobody being there isn't really alluded to until quite a ways into the episode. Oh, why are all the people where they aren't there? Then the explanation is dropped as well. They're here as an advance party and they're waiting for them. So suddenly, then the tension's gone. Yeah, that's true. Whereas, so with doing the beginning. And then setting that tension up, all the while, every one of my family members was there. In fact, Holly and Caitlin both mentioned that every time that a robot would show up, they'd be smiling. They'd be doing it for the doctor because they knew that oh. if they weren't doing <laughs> somebody wasn't doing it, the doctors would be unhappy. And they both said that they found themselves doing that subconsciously. So oh. I think that worked. It must have worked, yeah. Might have just been me. I think part of that is because I felt that the episode was very much at odds with itself in that the city is very Tomorrowland. It's bright, it's shiny, it really makes me wonder where they shot it. That has 
some like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of green screen in there, but some of that looked like real architecture to me. It didn't look like it was Valencia. Faked. Valencia? Mm-hmm. Where is Valencia? Hold on, I'm pulling that up now. Okay. Well while you pull that up. It was just gorgeous. It was really very pretty and hopeful and optimistic and it had all those moments to it that, you know, and of course we're in the middle of this big weed field, so I'm like, it's hey, Spain. It's Spain. Okay. It looks like Tomorrowland, you know. And so that's all, as the doctor says, it's built on hope and dreams and the future and probability and, and inspiration. And yeah, this is it. And I'm into all that. I love that kind of stuff. And so when you give me that in a science fiction story, as opposed to the standard post-apocalyptic dystopian future with everything being horrible and then Davros shows up, you know, it's like, okay, I like the difference of them. Yeah, yeah. But then to have that prevailing sense of dread that was still running through it, it was kind of like, eh, you're bumping into my happy here. I don't... <laughs> I want to smile naturally. I don't want to be forced mm-hmm. to it. The robots I liked a lot. I, the, and the idea behind the robots are really cool and how they wind up evolving and the, the fact that they encounter grief for the first time and not realize what it, what it is and they have to get rid of this and so they do what they do and kill. I thought all of that was really it's, well it's done. It's really well done. It's Well, it's a genius idea. It's really cool. And I was worried because I thought the robots were going to be the standard run-of-the-mill killer robots. Which Doctor Who, let's admit, has done several times. I mean, it could have been easily like the handbots. Yeah. Which, wow, did that episode fit so well with this one. (laughs) I missed both of you on Friday Night Who. I'm going to throw that out there now. I'd forgotten what a gut punch The Girl Who Waited is. Oh, it's Man, that's a rough episode to watch. I didn't tweet much. But yeah, it matched up really well with uh, the handbots versus the smileybots. But I was was worried that the smileybots were just going to be your standard run-of-the-mill murder machines for Doctor Who. And they weren't. They kind of had that added element to it. Now, the evolving and kind of becoming self-aware and then not being able to process something, I feel like that's something, it's not necessarily a trope, but that's an idea that's been used in science fiction before. And it feels like it's been something that's been in Doctor Who before as well, like with the nanobots from uh, Empty Child. Yeah. You know, they've never seen a human before. They thought this was how we were supposed to put them together. Okay. I mean, it's that simple early life form making a mistake kind of thing. So while I liked the idea behind it, it wasn't necessarily new, and how it was explained, I'm torn, because I liked the scene, but I also felt like there was a gigantic 10-minute info dump right in the middle. It was just a huge, long exposition scene as we're standing over this dead woman's body, and the doctor's not really doing anything clever, and it's just, here's what went down. And surely there was a better way to tell us that than than this. But I'm okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm still up here. I'm still enjoying it. But it just... I don't know. It wasn't quite lost in the woods, but it was. <laughs> it, it just, it just felt like everything. The proceedings kind of ground to a halt while we were doing that. Mm. So the other thing that bothered me, and again, I'm trying not to put too much thought into this, is we get out of the city. We we've made it. We're back to the TARDIS. We're safe. And the doctor says, "I have this irrational urge to go blow it up," which is a great twelfth doctor line. It's a great twelfth doctor line, and she says, "Why?" Because think about it. We've got a whole ship full of colonists that are on their way, and they're all going to be killed when they get here. Okay, it's sound rationale. Couldn't you reprogram the robots? That <laughs> which, to me which sounds, winds up doing anyways. That to me sounds like the more logical doctor way of, of dealing with this. Because if you blow up the city, the colonists come and there's nothing left. And so now they are expecting there to be something to move into, and they don't have it. And I don't know what hard... Maybe the doctor's like, well, they'll adapt. And yeah, they probably would have, but... That seems to me a, a very strange. You know, blow what it I kind of okay. I mean, it was satisfying as a viewer. I was right there with him, going, "Yeah, blow it up." But I kind of chalked that up to the, the, all the stuff at the beginning of the episode, 
and it seems like the doctor is going stir crazy since he's stuck on Mars <laughs> or stuck on Earth. Stuck, stuck on Mars. Well, I don't know where that came from. Stuck on Earth. Did you watch The Martian again? This no, week? I didn't. Stuck on Earth, and so it's kind of like well, he's getting a little stir crazy. He needs some action, and there's nothing there to do when he gets to this new planet. So, well, there's something obviously wrong. Let's just blow it up. We get some action. That's how I kind of chalked it up. Yeah, I I didn't come here to defend this episode, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I was in the same boat. I kept thinking, surely there's a way to reprogram the robots. But I think at, at the satisfaction of it, and I do have some issue with the resolution, but the, I'm waiting for you to get there. Um, I'll get there. <laughs> The the, the the reason why is almost implied that the doctor had no idea how he was going to be able to do it. And you're right. He does end up doing that, but it's situational. It's not it's necessarily his knowledge of being able to do it. He, he, he kind of stumbled, He kind of stumbles into it. And so I think that that's what I think that's what forgave that early on me thinking, because I also thought, yeah, I, you know, the colonists are coming. Yeah, there's a lot of wheat here. There's a lot of stuff that's already prepared. I'm sure they can come here and survive. It's obviously, the atmosphere is fine. The robots were an advance party to make things very pleasant for the colonists when they got there. And I kept thinking, okay, if the city's gone, they'll just figure out how to survive. And they will. The, the, the human race tends to go on. The doctor said that many, many, many times. So I kept having to put my in my place that okay that's why yeah you need to the to, you need to eliminate the threat right now and that's what he was going to do and so I I didn't have a problem with that because like I say it sort of explains or fixes that retroactively once you get to the end of the episode or near yeah. the end of the episode well and satisfaction is a good word to use for it because it was satisfying he's going to go blow it up yeah we need some action yeah I'm I'm ready for something to blow up <laughs> which is kind of weird but okay yeah I was right there with him. But it wasn't until later that I went, why don't you reprogram? The that seemed like a better way to do it to begin with. And you wouldn't have to blow anything up. So they go into the ship and they're, they're rummaging around to the thing. And he picks up the, the boot. He's in the, the cargo hold. And he says, oh, they brought all their things with them. And the flag went up. It's like, nope, they're on the ship. Yeah. I knew instantly from that scene that they were there. And that whatever he did in the engineering room, he was going to have to reverse. It wasn't going to work. Because you don't send your luggage to Hawaii ahead of you. You bring it on the plane with you. So the moment they show me those belongings, I'm like, no, nah, I don't buy it anymore. Okay, I was proven right. I don't feel good about being proven right. Because once again, I know something the doctor should know. He should have been able to figure that out. And so I was like, ah, uh, okay. So he goes down and fiddles and rewires. I'm kind of the and... same way as you keep interjecting here. No, but I'm kind of the same way of a I lot of times. I don't want to dominate the podcast. A lot of times I, no, that's fine. Uh, a lot of times, I'm just trying to take these point by point as you take them. A lot of times I am in the same boat of, you know, the doctor should be smart enough to figure this out before me. But on the flip side, it was almost refreshing to have that scene where the doctor was so pointed at doing a task that he missed that. And he got there, and I actually liked the tension that was also added to the fact that he's getting this thing's about to blow up, and he has made the wrong decision. We don't see that. It. We rarely see the yeah. doctor make the wrong decision. And I thought it actually kind of, for me, was a moment of that's kind of a that's a, a good way to evolve the character of the doctor. Not not. I mean, it does kind of look like a step back, but it 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 changes an element of the doctor that we've been familiar with for well, probably since Pertwee's era. This is something more that 
Hartnell would have done is he would have he wouldn't have thought it through. He would have just been very rash. Well, well, I should should say war machines on because before that it was the doctor getting the heck out of there, which you know I I almost <laughs> thought we were going to get yeah. when they were running back the stars. <laughs> we're just going to get the heck out of here. But so I kind of like that moment because it was it was the the it was it was a change in the character that I didn't expect, and so I think that also led to the tension of. Now I know I, I I did the same thing when they when he went through the luggage room I thought oh wait a minute I in fact I told my family I said does anybody suspect maybe the colonists are already here and everybody kind of looked at me like oh so my family hadn't figured it out until I brought it up but <laughs> then so when he's going through the motions and she goes into the other room and finds the dead lady and and then we get a shot of the pods starting up then I thought okay that's an interesting twist that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have expected. And so I was actually grateful for that twist. So. No, and it does too. feel a little bit something like 12 would do, that his mind is set so firmly on something that he ignores everything else around him that would contradict that. Actually, it's more of an eighth doctor thing. Well, <laughs> well I'm glad you brought that up because this is, this is one of those things. I don't mind it when the doctor's wrong. I don't mind it when the doctor makes mistakes. And when he berates himself, as eight would do, stupid, stupid, stupid doctor, fine with that. I didn't need to know ahead of time. I want to figure this out as you do that you were wrong. If well, you I, I, unless it's Eleven who was always postulating something that we knew was not right. <laughs> well, I, there was a lot of this. I that think the kind pace, of felt Eleven-y to me. Yeah, I think the pace though of this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Especially, I, I didn't like. I don't know if it's me being defensive of previous doctors, but I didn't like the fact that Capaldi or that they had reused the line of. Everything that ever happened that ever will. That's such an eleventh doctor quote sure. to that. I feel like they should have came up with a new one for Capaldi yeah, to he's give the bill. The same guy. So. He's the same guy, but it's not like he's used that through every regeneration. Yeah, but there's been doctors that have reused yeah, previous doctors before. But I thought the I, I wonder thought if it was unintentional. It might have because been. It's, there's only so many ways to describe everything that ever happened or ever will. Yeah, and that's pretty succinct. That's true. <laughs> Between now and when the kettle boils. I thought the pacing was well enough, though, that they didn't give you a lot of time to think it through. So your brain maybe was working faster than the average brain. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't think there You're was a lot You're not going to make time. me feel better about this episode by complimenting me. That's not going to work. <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree, Glenn, that it didn't feel like there was that much ahead of, oh, they're still there, and especially once they fully give you the realization. Like I said, that was, and I, I, I did I had the same thing. I commented on Mel. I was like, oh, they're still in the ship. This is a hibernation thing. They're they're there already because the luggage. But actually, you know, come to think of it, it's almost <laughs> like who wrote this? Frank Quattrell. It's Boyce. almost like the uh, the writer was almost giving the viewer some credit in giving them the chance to unravel the mystery ahead of the doctors, almost as a a different approach of doing a yeah. Doctor Who story, and maybe that. Maybe that's what I liked about it was, hey, I'm getting to figure this out ahead of time. As opposed to his last uh, different approach to Doctor Who, which was in the Force of the Night. Really? Yeah. Well, on the bright side, he's one and one Because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm being very, very overly critical, and I'm not. I, I really enjoyed so much of this episode. Bill uh, continues to be a really shining spot. Bill, again, spot. is a, a, a bright shining spot for this series and just everything that she did how she handled herself her joy at being there and the continual questions about you know why two portions for you is male sexism still a thing and you know no he's probably reading me as human that's the other two hearts two portions which is a clever way of going okay but they only gave you one badge 
Yeah, think about that. So, but Bill's great. I love, love, love Bill. I love so much of how this was, or I, I love the way this was put together. Maybe just not how it was put together, if that makes sense. I love what was put together, but not maybe how it was put together. And a lot of it was stuff that, other than the luggage bit, it didn't really cue in until later when I was thinking about it going, well, now, wait a minute, what about this? And it's kind of, it's almost, it's not to the same extent, but it's almost like hell-bent. I'm afraid to start plucking at those threads because I'm afraid I'm going to undo all the stuff that I did really like about the episode. Mm. But there's just bits of it that just didn't sit well with me for some reason or another. And the next one is, so the pods open and people come out. And the first thing to do is grab guns. And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) Now... Yes, it's a very human thing to do, and it's right in line with what humanity probably would do, which is vastly at odds with this shiny, optimistic Tomorrowland future you gave me in the first half of this that I was really wanting. And now we're back to the dystopian crap. Oh, man, okay. So they go charging in to blow everything up, and the doctor's shaking his head going, you don't need to do this, and of course they go in and do it. We have to have one more death to really drive home how dangerous the robots are. And then Dr. Dusex Machina shows up and so, we fix everything. Let's stop for a second. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going to go to the guns because, again, this was another thing that I kind of retroactively fixed in my head. Now, the event happens in reverse to the fix for why blow it up, why not reprogram. In this situation, I really liked how Bill gets the Wall-E moment where she's looking at the history of Earth in this book mm-hmm. and they're going through all this stuff and it gets worse and worse and worse and it gets to, you know, how humanity basically destroyed itself and that's why they left the planet. And she has that tearful moment. I thought it was really impactful. Yeah, it really was. It was a nice moment for Bill to realize that not everything out here is happy either. Had that not been there, had they she not watched the, the, the nature of humanity, the guns would have bothered me. But... It, to me, it was reflection on the nature of humanity that the first gut instinct is survival. What do we do to survive? We get guns and we protect ourselves. That that I liked because you gave me that nugget of this is humanity. This is the nature of humanity. And so now, had I not got that, I would have gone to right where you went. Where well, Here we go again. We're grabbing guns. We're going in bla- guns blazing. But by giving us that, it's almost like the writer saying it's the inevitable thing for humanity that it's very difficult for humans to overcome this nature and then he shows it to you this is exactly what got them there and they haven't learned from that so that's why i didn't i didn't have a problem at all with and you i was a little surprised we didn't get a line drop of they left because the earth expanding I kind of expected this to be part of that big arc, uh, well, and it like was, Nerva and all of the other. It's almost other like they. It's almost done. like they. Fi- he tried I, to I, fix I it by saying, it in there. "It's well." It's almost like he tried to fix it because he said that you know several, met, <laughs> several humans, several yeah. humans left Earth. <laughs> I automatically assumed they were a part of that mass ex- uh, evacuation. Which one? Yeah, <laughs> sunspots again, um, and maybe we didn't see that. To it's that true. point in the book, yeah. either. So, I don't know. I you're not wrong, because unfortunately, I mean, current events are certainly indicative that humanity is just destined to destroy itself. But I think throughout my science fiction viewing, my favorite movie of all time is the special edition of The Abyss, and no moment in that film hits me harder than when the aliens are showing Ed Harris 
the visual history of the planet and nuclear bomb after nuclear bomb after nuclear bomb and Nazis and marches and all this kind of stuff. And he says, all right, I get it, but not all of us are like that. And that to me is this fist pump. Yeah. Because I, I, I want to believe in the, the to, betterment. To fix that, had they had more people come out of the pods? Because I didn't get the impression that the handful of people that did come out of the pods <laughs> well, is yeah. everybody there. Because oh, no, no, no. No. Yeah. there were a lot of pods. Lot I just think pods. a lot of people hadn't, sl- hadn't woke up yet. Maybe we got guy. that sampling of people that are there. Well, they woke up all the people on the bottom and they didn't send the ladder up. Yeah. So you know, they're. On the one I mentioned, he was supposed to be the first one awake. So yeah. right, it's, right. It's the so they're obviously it's the security group. Yeah, yeah, they're obviously going to awaken in waves, and so yeah. this being the first group, that's a small sampling of you know not, not all of us are this way. Well, you're right, but unfortunately, we woke up the group that are. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, but all of, all, all of science fiction is, I'm, I'm looking for, I, I'm sorry, I've got my rose-colored glasses on. I want that bright, shiny future moment. And then when the, you know, so what are we doing? And the doctor says, oh, it's the end of the world. But again? And his first comment is to make a joke about it. It's like, oh, you're that guy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of sucked the wind out of my sails there at the end of it. Because at that point when... And this is the thing with any, it doesn't have to be Doctor Who, it, could be, it doesn't even have to be science fiction. When you establish a character is going to do something dumb, I'm rooting for them to get maimed or killed. I just, okay, go for it. I want to see how this turns out. Oh, look, it didn't turn out so good for you. You deserve that. Quit being stupid. And so when the first thing they do is go, let's go grab guns. In spite of what the guy said, the danger is out there. This is going to piss the robots off. Let's do that. I'm like, I hope you all die. I hope you all die horribly and wind up as compost. There I said, <laughs> and now I'm in a bad mood, and I've got a frowny emoji, and I'm not happy about it. And now the swarm of nanobots are. Going and now to they're coming out. for me. Thanks a lot. It's all your fault. So, I, it, I don't know. It's weird that for a guy who I genuinely feel like Inside Out, um, anger, the little anger guy from Inside Out. That's my spirit animal. That's totally who I am. And for being that guy most of my life, I really want to be joy. <laughs> I'm constantly at odds with these two. So what about the ending? So the ending comes, and I don't even remember, did he Sonic? Was that what caused the the big flash of light, and then everybody woke up and was like, oh, I fixed it? Was what it a sonic screwdriver moment? The I don't remember the boom. What caused the boom. He reached down for something, and I didn't notice what he did. I was hoping that somebody else would be able to explain what happened there. I, I mean, I think I, I get the idea of what happened there. The details aren't important. But, yeah, I mean, he, he other did, than I would complain about it was another Sonic moment. I only saw yeah. like the Sonic used twice, maybe. I don't know that it was, but because even opening the door, he just hit the button. <laughs> yeah. It's not locked. And then it's just the 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 deactivating of the one smile bot was all yeah. I saw the Sonic of then. Okay. Oh, oh, he went down to the robot. He did have a Sonic because he says, "I hope this doesn't hurt." Oh, he did yeah. the, oh, right. they had he already did the reprogramming. One. That's right. They had yeah. already they already shot one. Yeah. He says, "Oh, I hope this doesn't hurt." And then he went down there to Sonic the the robot. I'm glad that that's what it was. Flashed into my head again. So we've already committed an atrocity. We've committed a murder of a robot. I don't know. Is it murder? Yeah. Okay. But and, what was the big white flash? Yeah. Was I that think, just an effect? I think it must. So there really was an explosion, well, right? I don't but think so. it was a powerful enough one that it knocked everybody out. Okay, for it did. some length of was time. That yeah, his, was that his sending out whatever reprogramming command to the other robots, and it had to be done that way because the whole city is made of micro robots. Yeah. Okay. I, actually, I'm I'm talking myself into being <laughs> better with that with that. Now that explanation seems to be more valid. The show didn't really give us an explanation. It must have been so an energy wave one. of yeah. data. That went to all of the robots in the city. Okay, I'm fine with it now. 
but continue because there are there there's more that I have <laughs> issue with. It's just the <laughs> I don't have issue with it. It just I wasn't quite sure where I landed with. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's the it's the Doctor Who quick fix. It's I reprogram the robots and you're gonna have to get along with them. What if we don't want to? Well, tough. Deal with it. You want to talk rent? Cha-ching. Money, Mokan. Okay, the end. Wow, way to wrap that up in 48 seconds for this whole journey that we went on. And I, I sound like an old curmudgeonly guy when I'm saying, oh, I'm tired of the Sonic fixing everything, and why did it have to be this? And uh, But that kind of... It well, felt the Sonic like you didn't had to fix everything there. He used the Sonic to send the program. To, to, to so, reprogram the robots. Yeah, which mean, also conveniently was, knocked everybody out with no explanation. It was the it was reprogram, like, okay. and it wasn't necessarily the Sonic that did it. Yeah. yeah. But that was yeah, the wasn't like he event. sonic something and that did the fix. It was he sonic something to change the programming. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead. But no, I just once again we were kind of left with this. Da da, and we're done. Move along. Nothing else to see here. I'm like, well, but now wait a minute. What about? Well, let's, let's go into that because there's a little more there because now he they talk about the the slavery aspect, which I felt that the writer was trying to drive something home there. But it almost but fell didn't. flat because it yeah. it's almost didn't go far enough. And then the aspect of that this is the now the indigenous population, and you have to get along with them, and, and they you know live here and negotiate. And that seemed a very that seemed very quick to me. Yeah, the mm-hmm. the ha cha ching, how much is rent? Blah blah. blah. Uh, but I kept in the back of my mind, and I I meant to go back and rewatch this part to see if the doctor addresses it because I in the back of my mind I kept thinking, what if there? What if you leave two differing species now so to speak together to learn to get along suddenly you've put the colonists and the native americans together and we know how that went (laughs) so you have you have left me with and maybe that was the intention you've left me with the idea of okay history tends to repeat itself and then and that, now I'm just using that one example. That's an example that happens: colonization from Britain, oh, yeah. you know, the Chinese invasion, Mongolians invading China. That whole thing is more of a, you know, we, we pretend to get along, and then eventually our differences fall apart. And was that the intention? That the, I guess that's where I'm trying to. That's I'm, what I'm fishing for. I'm not sure. Is because... that the intention? Because the doctor doesn't say anything one way or the other to give me a finalized impression that, okay, that's probably what he sees too. And I wanted a. What does the doctor think of this situation yeah. that he's now put everybody in? Are, are we going to go back to the bright, shiny future at the beginning and hope that that's where we're going? Or are you going back to the middle of the story where realistically humanity's doomed to destroy itself or everybody that gets in their way? Or are we going the back to the very get? beginning of the story where the robots will eventually devolve back to... Yeah. Not devolve, what, but they would... What's stopping them from yeah, evolving I mean, they, to those extremes again? They now have... Well, he deleted that sub-program. He, he so. did. Well, and, but, and now they have... Was, but, but he never fixed the fact that they they didn't learn about grief. Did he... Was part of his programming, reprogramming, programming grief in there so that when somebody dies out of this group and somebody said they don't see that as a cancer or a, or a virus and eradicate the virus because that's really what the story Although, here is the story yeah. is that the the robots evolved to a point where they recognize grief as a danger because they they weren't familiar with it so instead of trying to find a cure the cure was to kill that element because now it's was, infected that was the part i really liked that's that great was cool yeah, that was idea. a great idea don't get me wrong but will they recognize now Emotions, or will they make a mistake and and signify something else as a problem? And I I kind of walked away with it as well. There aren't going to be really servants anymore to the humans, right? So their dependence on the humans' well-being 
isn't there anymore. Isn't there anymore. Okay. So they're therefore the threats of them going back and once they encounter sorrow again, flipping back and trying to kill them okay. isn't there anymore. Okay. Because they're not. Because they're no longer subservient. Subservient. I'm not okay. even sure it's the subservient. The, the deleting of that subroutine, the robots are still intelligent. They're still self-aware and they're still designed to help promote humanity's well-being on the planet. But they're not going to be issuing badges, and they're not going to be monitoring your well-being at this point. If you want to go be sad, you go be sad. I guess, and the robot doesn't have anything to do with it. I guess I see that. That's the simplified too. version of, of wiping that command structure out, but keeping them as wanting to be helpful. But they're also self-aware. So they are, and now this is where you've created this really interesting problem, because now they are a servant class that aren't necessarily servants. Servants anymore, yeah. yeah. You know. Okay, so where do you go with... There's just... Again, I really like the idea behind some of this, but I don't think the right ideas were fleshed out enough to make me happy with the resolution that they gave me for this particular story. Because if you're going to go down this rabbit hole, well, I want you to go down that rabbit hole and really flesh out what, what's going to happen next. And maybe down the road we'll get a sequel or something where they come back to that planet and the Doctor has a, a face of evil moment where he goes, oh my God, I've left this <laughs> huge mess. This was a bad idea. Okay, cool. Which I'd be all right with. Yeah, yeah. I'd be all right with that yeah, to find out what happens. Too. But just in and of itself as it is, I really want to like the episode, but I start picking at these little things. But what about this? Oh, no. <laughs> well, fortunately for me, <laughs> your issues did not change I'm my, glad they didn't. They didn't and, change my impression because I think I somehow rectified or, or, or was solved with the problems in it. Because, like I say, I, I just don't, I don't think this episode was as impactful or as dramatic as the first story but it was just a lot of fun and there seemed to be a pretty good through line uh story going on there that worked and so and i agree with all that i i I was really worried that i'm overthinking it but the more i thought about it the more well i don't know if that really works i don't know and again i don't want to come down on it because i did genuinely have a good time watching the episode it was a fun episode to watch but not to think about (laughs) well and it's one of those also it's a great Bill story for her first planet. Well, I guess technically second planet on the show. Like her first outing as a companion, truly, with in the, into the future. And it's one of those... Yeah, she planet hopped a couple times in the uh, yeah. <laughs> but, first episode. But you know what I mean. But yeah, they but actually did as, as she said in the beginning, it's her first real trip. Yeah. And first it, proper trip. Yeah, first proper trip. So it's, And it's kind of like that into the world type feel to it also. Yeah, a little there's, bit. There's a lot a of bit. rose parallels to make yeah. throughout this. There are a lot so of rose far. parallels so far because we had rose and then we had the end of the world. And, and then we, next we had... we're going to have uh, Regency London. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Which parallels to The Unquiet Dead. So. Yeah. That was one of the things that I wanted to bring up. Or was, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I mean, the thing obviously I this mention... is still part of this, this yeah, episode. No, the only other thing that I wanted to mention was Nardle. And once again, perfect. <laughs> and show I'm up. tick the box off on we have had Nardle now in yeah. two episodes yeah. solid so show up go make the kettle okay <laughs> and he's gone alright so well, I'm, I'm happy my bet is next week he'll show up at the end of the episode yeah I think you're right <laughs> so early in the week I had this epiphany and you guys I'd shared it with you guys in a text about how I wondered if maybe because there are 12 episodes and there are 12 doctors and this is Capaldi bowing out and Moffat bowing out. And I wondered if maybe Moffat was doing a setup where he was, because we had a lot of fan service last week, a lot of fan service. And the prime, there were other ones, but primarily the fan service for last week was a lot of First Doctor connections. 
uh, one Bean Susan's picture on the desk. There was another thing I brought up, and I can't remember what it was. Or maybe I didn't bring it up, I thought of it. Oh, Bill and Heather was yeah. another one. And then there were other little things, like the Sonics on the on the thing uh, desk were obviously other doctors, heart or not. But I wondered if maybe because there was a, a heavy first doctor presence there, there would be maybe... It would be clever anyway to do something that was very second doctor centric for the second episodes and very second thir- third doctor. And then I sort of thought as I started watching this, well, I'm not seeing any of that. So that's kind of bursting my bubble as far as that aspect. But then I thought, well, I wonder if maybe you can apply this, you know, to well, do it out of order. So it's not obvious that you're doing first doctor, second doctor, third doctor, fourth doctor. Oh. And so I kind of wondered if they would shift it up. And then I liked your uh retort that maybe because there's such a first doctor connection with peter capaldi that maybe the entire series was going to be a connection so they kept looking for the connections (laughs) of this and unfortunately they just weren't there now that being said did anybody else think of this whole time that you're watching this mechanoids I can see that a little bit. And maybe I was reaching for that connection because I, I had said <laughs> myself about while watching but it. But that was my first now. thought was, well, the mechanoids were basically sent to the planet ahead of colonists in order to make everything perfect and everything run well. And there, something went wrong there. So this is where you were. I wanted to wait to bring this up. You were talking about this really felt like something that had been done. Yeah, it's been done in Doctor <laughs> Who. And in fact, it was part of the chase because it was uh, the last two episodes of the chase was almost exactly this. And I thought, is that a solid enough First Doctor reference to, well, to we, kind of hold some weight in my theory? We also got the reference of him stealing the TARDIS. Yes. Talk, this is a discussion oh, of that. That's right. I forgot so about a that. Heavy so first that's doctor a heavy, thing. heavy First Doctor. Yeah. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm still in the, so, the ballgame there. Well, now, with all the Eleven stuff, I thought I felt there. So, so you could be out true. of the order stuff, too. My, well, I didn't think there was enough Eleven, though. To, although you, you pointed out a few things that, that, that do uh, lead to that. The other thing that I noticed here that when I was grasping for connections is... <laughs> You notice they talk about the Doctor being kind of trapped on Earth, which is a third Doctor uh, element. So I wonder if maybe there is this whole taking the the 12 or the prior 11 Doctors and just really making some heavy fan reference. um, It's just like a culmination of all of them throughout. But cleverly doing it so that your average viewer does not lose anything. Because a lot of times when writers would do fan service in the past, it was very heavy-handed. And if if and there, I, I felt, not even knowing the connections, I felt often there were times where things were dropped in there that somebody would have gone, what was that all about? I don't think there's been any what was that all about moments at this in, the, in these last two episodes that mm-hmm. a new viewer or an average viewer coming to Doctor Who for the first time would have felt left out. And so, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye out as we go on and see if there's more, but I'm glad you brought up about stealing the TARDIS because I yeah, completely forgot. That was the biggest first Doctor first reference I noticed. So. I could see it both ways. I, I think... Well, in fact, the entire story is a little bit Seventh Doctor reference, too. With uh, There's a lot of parallels happiness with Happiness Patrol. Patrol. Yeah, that was, I went to that one, too. I forgot about that, yeah. So it's a mixture of Happiness Patrol and the Mechanoids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think with... In order to do fan service properly, where you're not wink, wink, nudge, nudge, did you see what we did there? I think it has to be so subtle that the fans are going, oh, I see what you did there, and then and the, the new viewers are just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Because of that, it's so subtle that... Are you reaching for it to make those connections? Probably. (laughs) Movellans is the best element of example of your first point. Right. It's there, but it's not in your face about it. Is this really meant to parallel the first Doctor story with the mechanoids? 
eh, maybe. <laughs> Just because it's a, a common theme. Well, Glenn, but there have if, been other robots that were, you know, other stories where we sent so-and-so to colonize the planet and it went poorly. Yeah. I mean, that's... And as TARDIS I, Wikia hasn't connected it to the mechanoids yet. Okay. So, Glenn, you ought to get on there and post that. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you claim it first, it's true. So, <laughs> I don't know. I Maybe. If I see an interview with Moffat at the end of the season, because so I totally did all that on purpose, I'll go, wow, Glenn, you were right. If Moffat doesn't say it, I'll be like, I think he's reaching, but uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you happy, you go for Every it. Every episode, we're always going to be a look on the lookout for references and nods and fan service. So. Well, well admittedly, <laughs> admittedly I set myself up. <laughs> from, the, from, from episode one of this season going, ooh, I wonder if he's doing this. And so I go into it looking for those kind of things. Yeah. So. Yeah. When, when people talk about, oh, did you cast the Easter egg last night? like oh what easter egg well they had susan's picture on the desk it's not an easter egg it was a plot point <laughs> okay <laughs> if there's a cutaway shot to it it's not an easter egg anymore. no no and he talked to the photo uh, that's you know, that's <laughs> the thing is easter it's not egg. even set dressing that's a pl- that's plot related easter egg in geek culture used to be one thing and now that it's become popularized it's evolved into another and yeah. that's why you get that yeah. that's why you get the misuse of the term easter egg yeah no easter egg is the you know oh the ball from toy story showed up in booze room and monsters inc but they didn't talk about it it's, that's an it's easter the, egg the truck and all the, the toyota Pixar trucks yeah. The, you know yeah that kind of stuff pixar does it right uh, that, rocks on oil sign in you know a marvel film that's yeah an easter yeah egg. yeah let's talk about the ending i was surprised that they went that far into it which could be a second doctor reference because all the second Doctor stories led from one right into the next, yeah, into, oh, the next yeah, into the next, into the next. So that elephant walking on ice could be could be a trout and bitch. Sure <laughs> I don't think first Doctor did that too, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to bring that back around. You said it like you wanted to talk about the ending, ending, but no, no, no. It was it was the the, the ending. What I was talking the about resolution, was the resolution. Oh, yeah, oh no! I thought you said you wanted, to, and then I thought you started to talk about the ending of the with next up ep- next episode next time but then you stopped and backtracked so that you could talk about the references to this one but maybe not, not. intentionally no oh well okay i'm done i <laughs> <laughs> i thought the ending was just a hey we're setting up the next episode yeah. which they did so i'm excited for next it was week. almost cliffhangery it was almost yeah especially with the fact that we're not in the right place <laughs> we <laughs> well, have not in the right come spot, back to the moment that we left wrong time where are we london <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Doctor, this is you, the Thames. <laughs> you and your gravity We're on tests. The Thames. Overall, it was a middle of the road episode for me. Oh, I think it was slightly better than middle of the road. Middle of the road so far is based off of two. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hate I it. I suppose that's true, but I, I mean, didn't love it. I, I didn't like it as much as the pilot. So it's if kind I of, compare it though back to all of the from back to series one, I, I think it's it's much better than a lot of. Oh uh, yeah. And in fact, if even if you went back to just Capaldi's era, I think it's a lot better than some of those. Oh yeah. It was no hell bent. It was no listen. It was no magician's apprentice, uh, but it was also no sleep no more. It was also no. Uh, it was better than the night. Yeah, the night. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember hating that one so much as you guys did. But I, that's middle of the road to me. It's the resolution that. I oh, that's like that that, that thin the thin people the paper not paper oh, the flatline the flat people yeah I didn't flatline I didn't you were like the that. only person no, I, I at this hate, table that didn't like I didn't that. hate it it just uh, that I it didn't it's, wow it's, me this is no mummy on the Orient Express no that no that's. 
understand why he doesn't like Flatline. There's, I really don't. There's benchmarks there <laughs> they haven't met. So it wasn't Kill the Moon. Oh, see, there's another one that's yeah. much lower than. Yeah, that's true. Road, that's so, true. Yeah. But I feel like as much as we didn't like Kill the Moon, there's a lot there to chew on and to think about. There isn't as much here. That's yeah, that's definitely true. No, that that's and that's true and that's part this. of why Kill the Moon is so divisive is because there there's so much to chew on and think about there aside from the moon being an egg. There's other but, stuff there that you can you can you can really sink your teeth into. Where this one, this one doesn't have well, that as this much. one feels like there's an attempt to do that. Yeah, but but it, it doesn't, just doesn't succeed. Doesn't quite get there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's it's got the aspirations, but doesn't. It's masquerading as a fun romp, but it isn't because it's got this kind of deeper You're subtext to, to it. That think you, about it more. Than yeah, you know. maybe that's the problem. Could be. Because you could do either or, but I don't know if you could do both. You could do a deep story with fun elements, or you could do a fun romp with a deep meaning, but maybe not. Not an equal balance. Not an equal balance to that. And the first half of it's, I think, fun romp. It's it's very. Light. I think all of it's fun, Rob. Even even <laughs> even when it, things get dire, I think there's still a lot of fun elements about it. But well, part of that's the robots. They're cute. Yeah, yeah I, they it, are. it's it's difficult. And that was something else that I will give them full credit for. As worried as I was that they were going to be the standard Doctor Who murder machine, they weren't. And then the genius element is the cute robots. Technically, are still the cute robots. It's the microbots yeah. you got to yeah. worry about. Yeah. Those are the scary ones. The cute robots just hold you in place while the microbots kill you. Because could we really take these, you know, emoji bots seriously if they went frowny face and then tried to kill well, somebody? They, yeah. No, probably not. I mean, the way I looked at it is the emoji bots are the smartphones for the little nanobots. Yeah, true. So they're just phoning it in, yeah. and that's the app that's going to kill you. So right. that's, I think, maybe another thing that <laughs> there's a, there's a meme that's posted where somebody has juxtaposed cave paintings with emoji cons and then the, the caption is we've come full circle <laughs> and it's funny but at the same time i i refuse to leave, believe that my language has become that we've de-evolved to that somebody mentioned on twitter and i think it was andy had made the comment that this probably won't age well this, he's this probably right won't age well, and yeah. that's probably true because while it's cute and clever that it's almost meta that we've use emojis now and everything and somehow you know 200,000 200 million years in the future we're going to still be using emojis no i don't think so yeah so i think in eight to ten years you'll look back at this and go wow that's really dated (laughs) there's a part of me that hopes that it will quite honestly the same part that has a problem with that meme that i don't want to believe that my language has become that outdated hopes that this episode 20 years down the road is just so laughable because it just wow because there anything that's a greater slice of 2017 than that episode of doctor who (laughs) but there's something to be said for symbols we do Mm -hmm. communicate through symbols and symbols hold a lot of important meaning not just you know a cross being an important symbol to a religious person but you know a stop sign that is, is is a pretty universal, at least here in the States, we, we all know it's ingrained into us that you see it. You don't, and, and that's why everything's got specific shapes and colors and everything yeah. to, to associate that with it. That, you know, in, in a computer display, green is good, red is bad. Okay, well, really, I'm, I'm those, with you. Those you yellow know. smiley faces have been around longer than emojis have. Right. That's kind of yeah, Forrest Gump created the... <laughs> yeah. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Yeah. So, in a way, <laughs> it's a simplistic user-friendly interface that makes a lot of sense well it transcends boundaries uh language boundaries that's another benefit to it yeah so the robot doesn't have to speak english because it speaks emoji 
And if you really do truly have Earth population, if we haven't all assimilated into one language, symbols are going to be the best. Yeah. Translator. And now just I'm depressed lang- again. The language about <laughs> the emojis, calling them emojis and stuff, just might not continue past that. Right, well, right. While, while the actual and bots might hold up, the, be, the language around the, discussing the bots might not right. hold to up. To be quite honest, too, the only people that refer to them as emojis are Bill and somewhat the Doctor. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and because they come from the time where emojis yeah. are heavily used. We're on a planet of the tweens. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a tween utopia, whatever the line was. So uh, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up this week on the schedule for Friday Night Who, which I encourage all of you to join us, although uh, apparently it might be a little difficult because it's a new Who episode, and new Who isn't streaming anywhere that I'm aware Amazon of. Amazon Prime. Amazon Was Prime. it on Amazon yeah. Prime? Well, boot up your Amazon Prime. and well, Or dust off nine. your DVD or Blu-ray. Or yeah. dust off your, if, if you're old school like me, physical media. Um, you can also buy it on iTunes and the Google Play Store. It's usually two ninety nine an episode, so yeah. it's not a lot of if money. If you don't already own it digitally. That's right. Well, see, see, you've got no excuse not to join us. Although, I don't know how... I don't know how much we'll actually be involved in this week. <laughs> yeah. Because our Friday Night Who is uh, the two-part Christopher Elkelson story, The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, which we're, hey, we're kind of going on a theme here. We yeah, got, the nanobots continue. I just realized we've had robots all three weeks of New Who. It's true. Hmm. Was are that you, planned? Are you counting Nardle for the first episode as being a robot? Then you've actually got robots in all three episodes. He's, so talk, he's talking about No, I know he is, but I'm saying if you're, <laughs> if you're counting. <laughs> yeah. If you could parallel the two. <laughs> no. We had we had dialogue San Movellas. I don't know if we're going to get robots next week, though. Yeah. So I suppose that streak would be broke on the TV side. But Friday Night Who, certainly, yes. It's Doctor Who, so there's got to be a robot in it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Canine comes back. I don't know. Well, Nardo might show up at the end. So, <laughs> well, yeah, he's supposed to. Every episode. So there's going to be a robot every, every episode this season. <laughs> um, Empty Child Doctor dances for Friday night. Who, um, because we are celebrating Planet Comic Con, which we will all be at in attendance uh, this weekend. Therefore, having said that, um, and of course, if you're in the area, you should totally come to Planet Comic Con because Captain Jack Harkness is going to be there. John Barrowman, and Rose Tyler, Billy Piper, and Donna Noble, Catherine Tate. We've got lots of who guests. So you and friend come. of the show, Spencer Wilding. And friend of the show, Spencer Wilding, who was in... Three shouldn't have done that. The God Complex. The God Complex. Doctor the Widow in the Wardrobe. And... The Cold War. Cold War, yeah. Good for I, you. I kept wanting to say Red Planet. <laughs> no, he's an ice warrior. Not we weren't on the Cold War. So look at all these Doctor Who guests. You should totally come to Planet Comic Con this year. And we will be at Planet Comic Con. Uh, we have a booth in Artist Alley. We are uh, number 727, so come by and uh, if we're there, say hi. And then uh, we also, on Sunday, will be performing the Great Traveling the Vortex Quiz Show. And if you've heard us mention that before and are curious, well, this is your possibly last opportunity <laughs> to come find out what that is all about. So... Um, that is on Sunday, and I've lost the thread that told I me believe it's at one o'clock. when and where. I think it's at 1, and I don't remember the room number now. But look it'll in be the program, in the program. Look guide. online. Download the app. Yeah, there's an app for Planet There's an app for that. And hopefully you will all have smiley faces on. Yes. Having said that, 
Our show next week will be probably a twofold. We'll probably do a side trip about Planet Comic Con and our adventures there, and then we will also have a regular episode, which will be about the uh, what's the name thin of the ice? One? thin ice I thin ice thin ice name of the episode uh, thin ice, which is episode three of season ten. But because we are at Planet Comic Con all weekend, the episode may be late coming out next week because I don't know when for sure we're going to get together to record. So just throwing that out there for everybody, and that's what's on the schedule. All right. Well, if you can uh, help support us, uh, we have a button on our webpage, travelingvortex.com. You can support us on Patreon. Continuing support there uh, helps tremendously. And if you want to just do a one-time support, I think there's a way to do that. And then uh, unsubscribe. <laughs> not not to our podcast, but to Patreon, to your uh, recurring support. For yeah, never you, unsubscribe to the podcast. So for those of you that are already <laughs> supporting us, we appreciate it. There's also some links on the side of the page we'd like you to take a look at. Alright, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Smiley face emojis. Smiley face emoji. Smiley face emoji. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Smile like you